India announced that there's going to be a TV program hosted by this guy who was jobless at that time. His name was Amitabh Bachchan. Mm-hmm. How went my dreams to be a quiz master in this country? Like, how do you compete? Forget then. I'm talking 20 years ago. Today, if I have to start, I can't compete against Amitabh Bachchan. That is Amitabh Bachchan for you in India. Hello and welcome to the Nails and Hammers podcast. Our guest for today is Giri Balasubramaniam. who is the ceo of grey caps and is one of india's most celebrated quiz masters in this episode we talk about giri's association with the tata group and finally know more about giri as a person i hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as i enjoyed talking to giri so i i now want to talk a bit about their association with the tata group so how did it all start it actually started with um... TCS and uh, they were planning the IT Wiz mm-hmm. and uh, TCS IT Wiz is still around it's one of india's toughest quizzes very tough because it's also the 11th and 12th standard students could take part and very very sharp in india at that age group and uh, therefore i still remember meeting uh, i was a kid probably you know 20s or whatever meeting a young mr ramadurai who was heading tcs at the time mm-hmm. i distinctly remember there were 12000 employees when i met him and i met him in a building in bangalore i still remember the name of the building was niton and i was very curious when i went there and i was like why is it named niton and i actually came back and did some research and it did have a william ramsey connection and so on so from 12000 he said agree uh, we are going to be growing to about a lakh plus people So I was staring at this man and I was like what's he talking is he taking over indian railways i mean what is he doing and therefore the comfort that children would have to technology had to be established at a school level and not at the college level because if you choose to drop science after school you got fewer people who could adopt it during then so they were having a problem so they needed to have science enthusiastic children and not technology averse children mm-hmm. so they started in school and that to me is a remarkable vision that tata consultancy services gave india and not for itself because it's extremely possible that all these students who were part of this quiz did not ever join tcs but joined an infosys or a wipro or anybody else but the fact remains it was mr ramadurai's vision and later and chandras who took it up in a huge way that brought in a whole pool of technology enthusiastic youngsters into the system irrespective of which direction they went for all you know they went and joined a few us companies uh, maybe tcs it was in some way contributed to the growth of microsoft you never know because microsoft has so many of you guys working so it's very possible so that's really how our journey with the tata group started and when they were celebrating their centenary or century of trust which was the centenary of jrd tata and so on both centenaries they were looking to do a 100 events for 100 years and uh, we said okay if it's a 100 events then a quiz should be part of those 100 events it can't not be in the tata's appreciators of knowledge so that's when we had pitched uh, later i got to know that so the leading indian quiz masters at the time and i was probably the novice in that were also part of the discussions 
uh, and they had given their proposals or made their pitch and I made my pitch. The only background I came with or the credibility I came with is we had done work for TCS. That's about it. And uh, that's how, if you're referring to Tata Crucible, Tata Crucible came about. And then, of course, we inherited a lot of other quizzes like the Tata Steel quiz. Tata's actually do a lot of quizzes you know, across the group. So we started doing a lot of, lot of work. The only quiz which we did not take up, which came on our lap, which is very interesting in the Tata fraternity, is the landmark quiz. Yeah. Because we actually have a contract with the Tatas where, you know, we sort of had a first right to the quizzes that the Tatas do. But the landmark quiz is done remarkably well in India uh, by the people who've been doing it and so on. So our intention's never been, you know, to do every quiz that happens. I mean, you're going to go nowhere if you do, if you go in with that kind of a view. And if something's happening in a nice way, then we said, why do you want to touch that? So that's one quiz where we did not even get into proposing that we would want to do it. On the contrary, I think we proposed that we would not want to do it. Oh, what do you think about the impact of ITVIS and Tata Crucible in terms of, you know, people preparing really hard, competing, failing and trying again year after year? See, uh, there are three big quiz revolutions that have actually happened in India through the last 15 years that we have been part of. One is the Tata Crucible, which is at a business side. One is TCS IT quiz, which is the urban IT quiz. Mm -hmm. Tata's also do something with TCS does it with the Karnataka government called the rural IT quiz. About 15 lakh children take part in that quiz every year for the last 20 years. So that is IT for rural children in Indian languages. It's not even an English quiz. So what these do commonly, if you look at it, is it really challenges progressive-minded students beyond the radius or diameter of their academic requirements. And most of India's kids are either super glued and focused on getting that radius of knowledge right, which the output medium is just the examination, or they want to be prepared for life which is beyond that radius, and challenge themselves at such frontiers. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there is no examination system to challenge all these. Therefore, the quizzes fall into that category where they challenge you beyond your classroom. They also give you a very fair opportunity to challenge what is viewed as better institutions in India. In students like your case, when you were a student, take a Tata Crucible you would have had a fair opportunity to take on an IIM or an IIT. Now, there is a great belief, and it is true, that just because we, and unfortunately the system in the world is, a particular examination decides whether you can get into those institutes or not. And if that one examination, you got 0.02 marks less, you're out of that race. Does that make you any less competent in the world? It does not. You would have at least had an opportunity to write that examination and say, I didn't clear it. There are millions in, in this world who are capable, but don't even have the opportunity to write that entrance exam. So how do they get to express themselves? Second, how do they find the self-belief that they are also good? Programs and events like this create that self-belief. It creates that confidence in children, which makes them feel, hey, if I could beat an IIM guy here today in a fair contest, I'm cut out for it. So 
I think that's the beyond the sport contribution that the sport does. The third thing that it does is it creates the culture for knowledge, which I think is very important. And if you map that to the last 20 years of India, that's just about when, and if you flip the question and ask, why did quizzing boom in India the way it did? I mean, I inherited business quizzing in an era when the brand equity quiz was in eight cities. And today we do a Tata Crucible in 40 cities, which means sure, mathematically, business quizzing has grown five times over. Yeah. The reason is India became a knowledge economy in the last 20 years. India was no longer a manufacturing economy. India became a knowledge economy. India moved from that industrial era to a knowledge era in the last 20 years. We liberalized, we opened ourselves, we completely became a, a software kind of a led you know, nation. I, I still remember Dr. Kalam telling us once that someone asked him in the US, where are all your snake charmers? And he smilingly replied, they've all become mouse charmers. Wow. So, you know, wow. in, the, in the metaphor of the computers. Uh, so that was India's transition as a nation. And we only played probably a, a small spoke in that entire hogwheel. I now want to shift focus more on Giri as a person. I mean, you mentioned a bit about portraying quizzing as an entertainment uh, rather than just like a pure knowledge resource. And as a quiz master, you are known for your wit and humor and your punchlines. So is there a process behind it? Wit, humor, etc. is not a process because you, you're on live shows. See, if you're doing television, etc. and things like that, you, you could probably plan it or script it. I don't know. Even our television shows are live shows which are recorded and telecast. Yeah. Uh, so it's not script shows for us at all. We, we hardly do studio TV shows. We do auditorium shows which are telecast, which are recorded yeah. and telecast. You would have probably been part of a lot of those recordings. So wit and humor is circumstantial. It is situational in my case. So there can't be any preparation because I'm essentially responding to what you said uh, with some witty remark or a crack. The intention behind that from my personal point of view is to keep the audience engaged. The whole idea is to keep it fun oriented, to keep it entertaining oriented and not you know, a cerebral activity that is draining on people. While for a core serious guy who's under tremendous stress to win that quiz, my witty cracks could be absolute nuisance value to him. It's very possible. He or she could be sitting on stage and saying, Big Brain, can you just shut up and move on with the quiz? Enough of your wisecracks. It's possible. But my role is not only confined to the six teams on stage. My responsibility is to the thousand people in the auditorium. In some cases, crazy numbers. I, I do a quiz in Muscat where I have 7,000 people watching the quiz. Now, you can't be only only talking to those six people and 7,000 people are coming there to clap. So it's got to be that. From a personal point of view, I don't know if I'm naturally a very witty person or something. You've got to maybe ask my colleagues or my wife that question. I don't know. But I am a, a fun-loving person. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely like fun. I don't take things very seriously, not in the wrong sense, but... I like to look at things with a smile and look at things positively and don't allow things to drain. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with a joke here and there and stuff like that. I guess it rubs off at our quiz shows as well. So possibly yes. Mm -hmm. 
So, so what's your routine like before every quiz event? How do you try to give your best? I have a rule that I follow and I advise every young quiz master who joins our company about that too. I always think the next quiz that I'm doing is the first quiz of my life. Always. Imagine you're going on your first date. Imagine you're going for your first job interview. Imagine you're writing your first big competitive exam. You've got butterflies in your stomach. You tend to prepare that much more. You're going for your first interview, you tend to look at the mirror that much more, whether the tie is in place, the blazer is ironed. You take care, you're shaved, you're groomed. You've got to have that element of vulnerability, which I call being edgy. And I think that really helps. And I, I personally am that way. Uh, I do enough number of dry runs. I don't want a software to flop or you know fail in front of 1,000 people because I feel it's wrong. They come there for a 45-minute, one-hour entertainment. They don't come there to wait for you to set your systems in order. Even though it may not be a paid audience, it's still time that they are allocating to you. And if you don't respect another human being's time, that's not fair. So I greatly believe in the power of preparation. And I think it's grown in me. I, I played very active cricket. I was extremely prepared even as a cricketer. Uh, I probably grew up with people who brought in that kind of discipline as fellow cricketers and so on. Some great people. So it's probably rubbed off in my gene to be prepared. Yeah. I may have done more than 2,000 shows, 3,000 shows, I don't know. But if you tell me you have a quiz tomorrow, I would prepare, I would read my questions the previous night, I would check my pronunciations, I would run the quiz with the guy or the girl who helped me with the software. If I'm co-anchoring it with someone, I would run it with them saying, what are you planning to talk, what am I planning to say? Preparation just helps limit errors. That's my way of looking at it. And if you're going to produce a better show by being prepared, you should be prepared. And how do you stay sane when traveling all across the world almost every other day? I think people sometimes overrate these things. It's not, it's not something, why don't we ask the same question to a pilot? The guy travels every day and no one goes and asks him, hey pal, how do you stay calm or cool? Every profession has its requirements. If I chose this profession, I chose it clearly understanding that there's going to be a lot of travel, clearly understanding that I would have to use my vocal cords more than you know many other professions do. And if I then say I don't like it, then I've got no business to be in it. Second, if you're going to allow the process around you, which is the traveling, the food, etc., time away from family, that is a serious thing that happens with professions like ours. I mean, I've got two lovely kids, but my wife would easily turn around and tell me, you know, if she were to score me on a scale of 10 as a father, she would probably give me two or three for the amount of time that I've spent when children needed my presence. And she's played both father and mother on those occasions. So it does have a battering on certain areas, but staying calm, etc., is you've got to be prepared for it. Now, can you go and ask a Virat Kohli, you traveled for so many hours, can you score runs tomorrow morning in the match? If that traveling is going to bother you, then you travel three days earlier and get acclimatized. You travel one month earlier and get acclimatized. Mm -hmm. So I genuinely don't think the requirements of a job should affect the performance on the job. 
They are unrelated and you're only using them as excuse if at all you're using them as excuse. I do not subscribe to it. And in all fairness, today air travel in India is extraordinarily comfortable. I, I was having a chat with uh, Derek at a point in time at an airport and Derek O'Brien who has done humongous amount of, you know, so to say, he was the pathfinder of national level quizzing. He used to tell me you do night trains and then take a bus and go to a place and, you know, travel, not even by car. I mean, it's, he's done, you know, bus travel. We do as well, even now. If I have to go to Jamshedpur, I don't have a flight to take me to Jamshedpur. If I have to go to Bhopal, I drive from Indore. So there are, you know, geographic locations even now in India where connectivity is not necessarily easy or does not exist. Shillong. I, I got to drive up the mountain and go to I am Shillong to do a quiz. But that's part of what you've got to be prepared for. Yes, I carry food in my laptop bag. So you're prepared for it. I carry a toothbrush and a toothpaste in my laptop bag. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm not feeling, you know, clean or whatever, I brush in an airport before I eat. So I carry food stuff if the food in the airport does not look good or sometimes my train is delayed or something, I, I do have emergency food. So you learn to prepare. Mm -hmm and not make that an issue for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your advice to young people on building a brand? It's a huge topic. I'm a great advocate of that. I think eight out of 10 of us don't really achieve what we can achieve because we don't go about marketing ourselves properly. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't even care. Sometimes we as youngsters today and I observe many of them are so casual or callous about managing their social pages, et cetera, and so on. They don't realize that when they apply to an organization, the first thing that my HR would do or someone would do is to look up their social pages. And if they figure that the person's a partying person every other day and so on and so forth, it may not lead to a judgment or a decision, but it leaves an opinion. So you're allowing people to frame opinions about you even before they've met you today. Flip the question. Can that opinion that people are framing about you be constructed in a positive manner? For a moment saying, fake it. I'm only saying be conscious about what you're good at. LinkedIn, phenomenal platforms that the world today has for people to professionally progress. How many of us take are networking on LinkedIn seriously. We don't. I always tell this to youngsters in colleges who are so obsessed with this notion of the college getting them a good place. Placements is one more like travel that you mentioned. It's an overhyped activity in colleges. I always ask students a very simple question. The college will get you your first job. Assume you don't like it in the first four months. Who's going to get you your second job? Your college placement cell is not going to come and get you your second job. You've got to get yourself your second job, your third job, your fourth job. If that is true, why can't you get yourself your first job? So we're very reluctant to market ourselves. In comparison, the country where you are is very different to the country where I am. Uh, United States is all about marketing yourself well. United States is about expressing your work, documenting your work, writing papers on what you do. And I'm not saying go and make noise about your, you could do it in a very constructive way. 
I know people phenomenally accomplished in their work in science, but wouldn't have written a single paper. Mm-hmm. How's the world going to get to know mm-hmm. what you do? So you got to figure a way to express what you do, especially if you are capable. Second is, unless you express yourself, you don't know how capable you are. So it's an egg chicken paradox. Trust me, I am not, and I make this statement with great humility, I am not anywhere close to being one of the best quizzers in this country or in the world. I've seen phenomenal quizzers, even during my school and college days. Uh, in those days, the quiz teams were three or four people, and I was a good debater as well. So whenever there was a debate and a quiz, mm-hmm. I would be the one who got dropped from the quiz team. So I was always the fourth player in the quiz team in that sense. Which means, if I had gone purely on that logic of I have to be an exceller in the academic side of quizzing, I wouldn't have become a quiz master. So you got to understand how you play around with these and you got to weigh to your strengths and then put things together. And you got to back it with sheer hard work. Nothing comes without hard work. For sure, success does not. Mm-hmm. I've done enormous research in my life as a career. I'm yet to find one human being who has changed the world without putting in hard work. Nobody. Uh, who are your role models today? Okay, the last word is an important one in that question. Today. It's a difficult world, and I'm being honest about it. Yes, it was easy. I, I studied Gandhi, so I have phenomenal respect for Mahatma Gandhi. We had the fortune of working with Dr. Kalam. So those are people who touched our lives and sort of mentored us to go, go in directions which are you know, very different. In a modern world like today, I would look at anybody who's extraordinarily focused, meticulous, challenging their own limits as a role model for anybody. People who I grew up with, I I played cricket with Kumble. I was his wicketkeeper. Would be a phenomenal example in a modern era of, like I said, not necessarily being the world's greatest spinner, but perhaps arguably the world's most disciplined bowler. His, if someone asks me as Kumble's wicketkeeper, what is Kumble's best ball? I would say the ball that falls in place every time. Yep. He yeah. is sheer accuracy personified. He followed, in my opinion, in his mind, I've never discussed it with him, but I think he followed a very simple second standard logic of cricket. I have a ball, there are three stumps on the other side, I've got to hit it, period. 608 test wickets doing that. So you got to do things in a very disciplined manner. And my definition of professionalism is doing that over and over and over and over again when people are not watching you do it. That's what makes you a champion. If you do it only when people are watching it, you know, you're cosmetic. You got to have that in yourself that you're going to drive it. I mean, these are phenomenal characters in a modern world to whom you would have huge respect. I think every bolo who got dravid out would probably put it in the first line of his biodata, got dravid out. I mean, you know, that must be the starting line of a biodata, right? Yeah. So people should take pride 
and look up to you saying hey i want to learn five things from this guy mm-hmm. that's to me is someone who would be an inspiration mm-hmm. uh, you also did an ed- executive education from harvard so what did you learn there uh the question should probably be what did i unlearn there harvard sometimes makes you feel in a nice way that everything you've done till there is completely incorrect mm-hmm. so it did in my case too and i'm so grateful that circumstances led me to doing what i did and one of the people who pushed me in a sense to do that course at that time was dr raghuram rajan uh, who was then the governor of rbi and we were doing the rbi quiz and uh, he in fact got a little irritated when i said i'm a little too old to study and he said what a wish so i got a little bit of a knock on my knuckle from him for that and uh, great people extraordinary personalities he he would be a modern leader people should look at uh, extraordinary world vision uh, very grounded understands what he's talking superbly humble would come and sit in a school quiz and watch children answer he did not have to do it as governor of rbi so i went to harvard and harvard i think in many ways prepared me to be able to calmly do interviews like this during a covid period because they asked me these questions of disruption before the disruption actually came on us it just prepares you for a world that does not exist in reality and when you're prepared for those unpredictable scenarios which at the moment in which you live your life you think is unpredictable or you think is unimaginable and it does happen as reality over a period of time you just better prepared at that time we started our entire digital platform post my harvard program harvard singularly contributed to my taking serious focus along with equitor that i mentioned to you which values on moving into the digital paradigm and today i'm sitting extremely confident saying our future in digital quizzing or in digital knowledge dissemination if i should call it that is very secure because our core gene is content and the dissemination of content should be platform agnostic mm. it can't be that i can do only quiz on a stage or only write a book or only do a podcast or only do a video cast that's just the medium that's taking the knowledge to the end receiver and in many ways howard thought me that mm-hmm. harvard was also like the national college while people think harvard is very elitist and so on and so forth one of the world's most humble set of professors that you would find is in boston united states mm-hmm. remarkable people they are so well read they are so deep in their knowledge and yet so humble professor Professors would walk into class ten minutes before the class starts, rub the blackboards, check if the boards are working or operating correctly, be prepared with their initial notes on that board, simply because they do not want to waste your class time as a student. Okay. Nothing, nothing humbled me more than something like that. A professor of Harvard walks in ten minutes earlier to not waste your time. you got a lot of stuff to learn in your life profound 
Uh, what are some of your biggest failures and how did you bounce back? Many. That can be twice this duration interview. I am who I am only because of all our failures. Plenty, actually. We, we got into the quiz business uh, with the portal. We were just going to start quizbrain.com and India announced that there's going to be a TV program hosted by this guy who was jobless at that time. His name was Amitabh Bachchan. Mm-hmm. Out went my dreams to be a quiz master in this country. Like, how do you compete? Forget then. I'm talking 20 years ago. Today, if I have to start, I can't compete against Amitabh Bachchan. That is Amitabh Bachchan for you in India. You would understand it. Even to this day, I mean, he, he is very big B. Mm-hmm. And he really opened up quizzing. He made quiz a mass sport with Mr. Basu, of course, at the back end as the, you know, the uh, franchisee owner or whatever the phrase would be for Manega Karodpati in India. They contributed tremendously to what quizzing began to become over the last two decades because they made it a household appreciated sport or activity. And I don't think you could have got a better anchor to do that than Amitabh Bachchan. Because he really walked into every living room and made quiz a home sport. Phenomenal. But what would I do in my 20s trying to get into quizzing at that time? And I was staring, saying, oh my God, now what do we do? I mean, we're going to be blown over. But you stay on. You then start asking yourself, what is my core role? Which is when we realized that the face of a quiz can be anybody. The content of the quiz is what the quizzer appreciates. So your core gene is research. So even to this day, we really look at ourselves as a research organization. It also brought us into education. And we said, a lot of children who do not quiz require knowledge. Sadly, I got into quizzing in an era in India when people thought general knowledge is required only for those people who take part in quiz shows. That's not true. You need not even be a quizzer, but you require good general knowledge even to have decent communication skills. You're a very good conversationalist if you know things. Because when you know things, you're a good storyteller. And if you're a good storyteller, you're a good conversation maker. Need not be a good English speaker. Let me underline that line for your Indian audience who would watch. Need not be great at English, no big deal. If you're able to tell a story and tell it well, people will listen to you in any language. So those are the things that you face in life. We've had a lot of products that failed. You tend to believe that they will click. They tend to fail. Sometimes you tend to think because you are big brain, any book that you write will be a success story. It's not true. There are so many of our products which don't necessarily find the fancy children. The third thing is there is no greater audience to market to than school children. Mm-hmm. They have absolutely nothing called brand loyalty. They are honest customers who only evaluate on one single parameter. And that parameter is called, what's in it for me? That is school marketing for you. School kids don't care. You are Amitabh Bachchan, Amir Khan, big brain. That's you. That doesn't make my life different. Mm -hmm. So that explains why even on great gaming platforms, they switch loyalties like that. If you are not engaging to them, they don't care. I mean, they're they're very thankful to you saying, hey, buddy, till yesterday, I liked you. From today, I don't. Sorry. 
you got to upgrade yourself so while i could be a quiz master i'm no different from android i need to put my patches in place i need to have my upgrades coming every alternative day so if i continue to remain on android 1.0 then i'm going to die with children extremely important for us to keep reading and being relevant to their lives you could probably have a long conversation with me on the world of avengers i can speak to you from thanos to captain marvel to groot to anybody simply because my audience in schools loves it and when i can ask them two questions from their interest area that they don't know the answer to they goddamn well take you seriously so it's important that you learn from these failures uh, so we we made those mistakes and plenty of them we made a lot of probably people errors judgment on people process errors market estimation errors technology mistakes so there would be a lot of them that that one could share but these would be the most difficult of moments that we would have met covid is not any different we would like to believe we are better prepared in an environment like this maybe thanks to harvard or whatever uh, i do keep in touch with my professors and they are immensely helpful as well so those things do help you and then you've also got the wisdom of the past with you you know you you've taken so much failure that failure doesn't hit you you know in that sense you, you have the strength to stand up to it so i'd like to believe yes failures are and i again my positive outlook about failure i think you seriously require to fail to really introspect sometimes mm-hmm. because sadly and i use the word sadly we introspect far more and far more willingly when we fail we don't introspect when we succeed as much yeah. and that's a cause for failure yeah. we do not ask ourselves the same questions when we succeed if we do that we would succeed more often because you're trying to understand for yourself why you do well we never ask ourselves why we do well we only ask ourselves why we don't do well and therefore you know spending time on failure I think failure is very important. And uh, and the last question of the podcast: uh, What advice would you give to a twenty-five-year-old Giri today? Live life with every sunrise. Be very, very passionate and committed to what you do. Uh, I think that is extraordinarily important. Understand somewhere what your calling is, and give that calling a chance. we don't do that many of us allow our dreams to just remain dreams if you do not give your dreams a chance who's going to give it a chance people have their own lives for which they're not giving it a chance why would they come and give your dream a chance the chances are remote right so give your dream a chance and i'm not saying make reckless decisions i did proper excel sheets before evaluating whether to quit walt disney or not i didn't make a random decision out of a whim or you know high energy one day saying let me take up quizzing as a full time no it was a very conscious call so while you got to make informed decisions and measured decisions you got to take things up and give it a chance and after you do those choices wrong or right success comes because of one single word that i believe in focus 
focus focus focus focus on what you do the more you focus on what you do the more you're giving yourself a chance to succeed mm-hmm. unfortunately a lot of us as human being are like dispersion of light we just to scatter and because we scatter our energies we scatter our focus we scatter our resources we actually distribute our own odds for success across a wider spectrum and therefore don't succeed wide spectrum focus creates mediocrity because you're trying to focus on everything mm-hmm. you can't look at the people who changed the world they came with simple two word agendas what was mother teresa's agenda to the world compassion what was gandhi's agenda to the world non violence so all you need is a very simple agenda what was steve jobs's agenda to the world innovation mm-hmm. all you got to do is have that and keep hitting at it you will succeed mm-hmm. that's my take that's a great wrap up to the whole conversation that we had uh, thank you so much giri for being the guest on the podcast and i hope that you enjoyed it as much as i did do hope one day this becomes your profession because you seem to be enjoying what you're doing and you never know tomorrow this could become something that could lead you to something else but the very fact that you've got yourself to do it should be an inspiration for many youngsters like you to take up what they like doing and do something about it not just think about it but truly wonderful to have been with a youngster like you kushal and i think you would have made your teachers and principal and people in your school and college extremely proud and uh, it makes me proud too to see a young quizzer shaping up like this with a very different perspective of life truly appreciate thank you so much